All right, moving on to episode 21. Um, a few housekeeping things to get through before we get started. Um, I know I mentioned this last week. By the time this podcast comes out, the contest will be over. But we are actually uh, doing a giveaway right now for our Patreons only. Um, so for anybody who signs up to be a patron for us uh, before the end of this month, so you have four days or five days left, um, uh, you'll be put into a drawing to win a free copy, a hardcover copy of Eye of the World. Um, so it's going to be a hardcover copy. Um, that will be sent out to you, um, and you just have to pledge at any level um, before the end of the month. So that's how you qualify for that. And speaking of Patreons, we have three new ones this week. Three. Three. Um, Yay! Woo! And one of them, actually, uh, Ian will know his name well, but uh, Michael Ram just joined us today, um, who uh, we appreciate your patronage and being on a patron. And then Tree, who's in chat right now, Tree Hugger, Oz, our handle on our Discord server. Um, she also does amazing artwork. If you've ever watched Unraveling the Pattern, um, their YouTube channel, her artwork's in his videos. So pretty cool there. And our pretty last dope. patron, yeah, our last patron who just joined five minutes before you we went live was Hunter Witt, um, who Whoa. is <laughs> 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 <was> my brother. <laughs> Um, he also is our Discord server, although he never talks. So a lot of people on Discord don't believe he exists. Um, he just listen. He actually sent me a message saying, "I'm not going to talk to you Discord ever." Um, so, <laughs> so he's in there. Um, but um, yeah, he's he's uh, he's my brother. Um, I don't see him often, so I have to give him uh, give, give him much thanks next time I do see him. Um, well, so send send him a, a little clip from this where you give him the shout out, and I say, "What's up, Hunter? Long time no see." Oh, I'm well, glad here. you all turned out way better than the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're all proud of you. You're raising the average for the neighborhood. <laughs> oh yeah, well, Hunter, Hunter definitely is. Uh, yeah, my brother Hunter, he's a doctor. Uh, I'll leave it at that, and uh, he's, he's, he's doing well for himself. Um, as far as everything else goes, um, you know, we're just keep on climbing with the downloads, the followers, and Twitter keeps going up. Um, we haven't hit any big major milestones last week, although we're close on a lot of them. Um, so I'll probably announce it next week. Uh, when we hit some bigger things. So that's about it for the housekeeping stuff. Um, so size um, does matter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a bigger bigger following is definitely a good thing in the podcast world. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> a quick shout to Zul. You know, uh, you know, girth that matters, right? Right, Zul? <laughs> <laughs> she typed, yeah. Oh, boy. She's going to tell you to edit that out. That's yeah. going to have to go. Girthy <laughs> yeah. uh, Bear. Griffey Bears. Um, and Paws. <laughs> and Paws. <pause. laughs> so, so moving on to uh, personal life. Um, I'll start real fast just because I'm talking already. But um, a couple of things. I, you know, we have, we have Memorial Day here in the United States last weekend, which for a lot of Americans is just a three-day weekend. It's actually a pretty somber holiday for us. It's, 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 uh, we celebrate or at least uh, commemorate, not celebrate, but commemorate um, any soldiers who died in the line of duty uh, whether from Revolutionary War till today. I mean, it's just a memorial of all those soldiers. Um, um, but obviously, people don't remember Revolutionary Time people, but, uh, but definitely for whether it's Vietnam War II, World War I, um, any of those veterans, or any war that we fought um, that have died in line of duty. Uh, that's, what, that's what the holiday's for, um, uh, those ones that get the ultimate sacrifice. And, but as a three-day weekend, a lot of us do cookouts, things like that. Of course, because of COVID and quarantine, 
There was a very limited amount of that. My mother-in-law did come in town, so that was nice to see her. But really, most of the weekend was spent doing yard work projects and uh, breaking my back trying to get this garden ready. Um, and speaking of COVID, I'm actually not even allowed to go to my office for my job right now because uh, I went this morning to change some files, and the door was locked. And I knocked the door. They wouldn't even open the door. Apparently, someone in the office I work at tested positive. So they had the entire they, – they Wow. Yeah, they had the entire building locked down, and no, if I wasn't here, I hadn't been there in two weeks. So um, they were like, yep, you can't come in because we have to test everybody who was exposed, and the people that are exposed are still in there working. So you can't come in now. It's locked down. Go back home. I was like, okay, cool. Works for me. Yikes. I'll, change, I'll change that follow-up next week or whatever you guys want to do. <laughs> yeah. So that's it. Uh, fun times. <laughs> what about you guys? Well, like you said, uh, just got through the holiday weekend, Memorial Day. Uh, it, you know, it's it's an interesting time for most people who have served. It's uh, you you go back and forth. Um, at least for me, in just being uh, the Debbie Downer guy and trying to pull yourself up, or having such a good time, then you feel guilty about it. Uh, but, uh, those of you, I mean, I've mentioned before, uh, I deployed, um, my biggest de- deployment in Iraq and been to a couple other places, but did a 15 month tour there and our unit in those 15 months lost 58 soldiers and officers. Uh, we had one medal of honor recipient during that deployment. Also, uh, they say for, the first infantry division, it was the dead, deadliest deployment we had since, uh, I don't know, Korean War, World War II, something like that. Uh, so, I don't know. It's always an awkward holiday. Um, but this one, this one was good. It was more on the happy side and just reflecting, taking the time to think about those brothers we lost. Uh, got to have my kids, uh, so we spent a lot of time out on the river. I uh, posted some pictures for some folks on the Discord, so you might have seen. Uh, it was a good time, but it, it's just, it's turned into, it's not what it was when I grew up. It's one of those awkward holidays, you know, definitely try to make the the best of it. And you always want to live your best life for, you know, those um, who already paid that sacrifice. But, man, it's it's weird. Sometimes you find yourself having too much fun and, and you kind of check yourself. And I don't know, many years later, <laughs> I still don't know how I feel about this holiday, but it's it was a, it was a good weekend. Sure. Uh, personally, you know, I went to a uh, memorial or remembrance service for the young man that I mentioned last recording that was murdered. So that was very interesting to be social distance, but to be around the site of his death and see literally, I'd probably say about seventy to eighty people. You know, and everybody in masks and gloves and, you know, trying to stay as far apart, but as close together as possible. And to to be a part of that, even for the couple of minutes that we were, that was very impactful. Um, it kind of allowed, you know, a group a moment of grieving, even though we couldn't comfort each other, which, you know, that in and of itself is healing, or at least it starts the healing process. Um, and then... Like Ian, I always reflect on this time. I did not serve, but I come from a family of individuals that did. My 
grandfather, great grandfather, great great grandfather, everybody, all the males in my family, you know, from my grandmother's generation back, all served at some point in time. So we always grew up um, remembering family members who were impacted. We, you know, I had a my great grandfather was you know poisoned with mustard seed gas and lost a lung, and then my grandfather. Um, served on the ships and he died of cancer from asbestos. And so there's a lot. Oh man. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it is another one of those holidays, like Ian was saying, that impacts everybody in different ways. My my grandmother served as a civil servant for 40 years and she watched many of the people that she served for or under or worked with um, pass away because of military related things. You know, so it's it's a big time for us because we actually do take the time to really reflect on, you know, members of service from, you know, as far back as the Civil War with, with um, family members and our, or I should say, ancestors all the way up through the World Wars. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Indeed. So, moving on to also... Just other things, country and state, even up with that. Uh, so I figured we would go with uh, the middle of America, uh, and we're going to be super specific. We don't we don't just want Nebraska; we want Omaha. Okay, so, somewhere in the middle of America. And All my counting counting crow, crow friends out there, you should be singing along right now. And Warren Buffett, if you want to donate to our podcast, that would be that would be great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, man. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll Nebraska. take another uh, patron. Yeah, Nebraska. So that after Nebraska, we only have two states left. Um, so we're pretty we're pretty close to actually all the United States uh, as far as listeners in each state. Um, so we do this every week for anybody that's new listening to this podcast tonight. Uh, we we ask uh, for listeners in different states or countries, depending on. Uh, we've asked for countries, states, whatever. So this week it's Nebraska, um, and if we got, if you guys know anybody in Nebraska, um, yeah, what's up? Uh, tell them to listen to us. Um, so before we move into the chapter, quick predictions. Um, so quick couple of ones, uh, three ones from last week, and then I added one in a previous one that just just wanted to kind of refresh for a while ago. So uh, Rand will place stones for the fate of the world. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I can stand by that one at the bitter end. Yeah, he's going to play stones with the dark one for the fate of the world. It's going to be this giant rock paper scissors type type event. And uh, best of seven, damn right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, one other prediction was that Trollocs have been using the ways, um, and we'll talk about that later in this episode. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> ding 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 ding. That's going to learn. Yeah, Matt's going to learn to control the dagger. Was one of the, uh, the, 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 the I guess, the power of the dagger are, are what's happening to him. Matt's going to control it. And then the last one, this one's from a while ago, um, was that Rand will become Egwene's warder. Um, there was a steak dinner bet over that prediction. So I think Chris was the one who said definitely that Rand's going to be Egwene's warder. And he said, no way. I bet a steak dinner. So it's worth revisiting. We still got years to figure that out. Ah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. uh, <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Uh, oh, good times. Anyway, so 
without further ado, let's go ahead and move right into chapter 44, which is the dark along the ways. And the symbol is a vine with a leaf. Um, now, finally, we figure out what this leaf is in this chapter. We'll get to that later in the episode. But, but um, let's start with the chapter title. And uh, now that you guys know what this leaf is, um, you know, we can talk about that a little bit. But thoughts? Oh, my goodness. When I first looked. Go. When I first looked at it, uh, I was hoping I'd kind of theorized before, like, you, you know, you had the the three leaves. Um, and I had mentioned maybe it's representing Moraine, Egwene, Nynaeve. Um, so at, at first glance, I was like, all right, maybe this is part of the story where we finally find out the real relevance of Nynaeve and Egwene. Maybe they're like a central part to getting through the ways or something like that, which, you know, that, that personal theory inside my head was a dud. Um, but that's what I was kind of hoping for. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily agree with that statement, though, Ian. Like, we do realize that the ways was created by Aes Sedai, you know, male Aes Sedai, but still, um, it is a clear indication of the manipulation of the world by Aes Sedai. So, well, and, yeah. you know, it also shows the, the power that the Aes Sedai have overall and the, you know, the creation of a way to travel in between you know, parts of the world in in moments, like, that's hugely significant. And it also shows the potential power that the ladies could have. I mean, this was done by the tainted males, but what could the the ladies do if they really could harness their power and really learn how to control it? So I think you shouldn't kick yourself yet. (laughs) Fair enough. We have a we have a lot of books, and like Moraine said, uh, Egwene and Nynaeve could become the most powerful Aes Sedai. Okay. Uh, so maybe their powers eventually get to the point where they can control and manipulate or create new ways or, or, or purify the you know clean it up. Yeah. So all right, hey, you know what? Add that to the prediction list, man. <laughs> Chris, just help me get smart. <laughs> there we go. So we'll go get right into the chapter. Unless, Chris, do you have anything else to add about the chapter title? Or well, I think it's, you know, the dark along the way. Is after reading the chapter, it's like, oh, I get it. So not much to add. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. So we start out, Rand's following Moraine out of the inn. They're going to the stable. It's still dark outside. You know, when they woke up, um, it was still nighttime. Uh, I guess twilight's fast approaching, but they get to the stable and all the horses are ready to go. Uh, we get to learn a little about the horses. Of course, our, our faithful Bella's there, but it looks like Loyal has like a Clydesdale. I mean, the way they describe the horses, <laughs> it's a Clydesdale. It's uh, it's got to be at least a Clydesdale. Yeah. At a minute. For those that don't know what a Clydesdale oh. is, look at a Budweiser commercial. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so the the benefit here is actually um, we have Clydesdales in Williamsburg, which is right down the road from where we live. So we see them all the time. Yeah. Uh, Bush Gardens. That in, and and Bush and Anheuser Bush, um, who brews Budweiser, they have a brewery uh, in Williamsburg, and they also have a a giant theme park, and they have Clydesdale there. So the theme park is go, no longer owned by the Anheuser Corporation; it's owned by the same thing as SeaWorld, which is Blackwater. Um, so right. they used to have the Anheuser Clydesdales, but now they have a different breed of Clydesdale. 
Right. Yeah. Anyway. It's still really cool though. It, when you go by there, when you think about this, have y'all been there when they've had the really young, like one-year-old, maybe two-year-old Clydesdales and, yes. and they're already bigger than a regular horse, but they're little <laughs> horse puppies. Yeah. And when they're full grown, they are gargantuan. They're like gigantic. I've seen them in videos, but up close. I wow, got a little huge. excited. Hamel got a little excited. That was uh, quite scary. Anyway, continuing on. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on, and Hort and Rand gets a new horse named Red. So you know, uh, we, we Rand gets this new horse. Um, I think one of the things earlier is we talked about Rand's first horse, which was Cloud, I believe. And yeah, we lost Cloud at Shadowlord off somewhere. So now he has a new horse, Red. Um, we'll see how long he can keep this one. Uh, so, um, and then you know, Matt's talking about how something's different about Perrin, and Rand tells says you know, Perrin's fine. And then they get the secret door in the back of the stable. So before we get to there, anything from this whole stable scene you guys wanted to point out or talk about uh, before we, we leave the queen's blessing? <laughs> uh, not really. I just I, I find it very interesting the amount of time that was spent on the horses and how the horses kind of reflect their owners. So I'm interested to see over time how red kind of comes out. Um. Okay. Other than that, wait. What, what do you mean comes out? Is this, <laughs> is this is this a gay horse? Like, what did you read that I didn't? I didn't. I'm looking for. I mean, out of his show. <laughs> out of his show. Okay. 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 Fair enough. Okay. I mean, that'd be fine if he did. I'm just. I I didn't underline that portion. I feel like would have. I would have noticed that maybe. But sure. uh, he did let Rand ride him awfully easily. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> red red nays at Mandarb. <laughs> Nay, <laughs> this is all getting cut out. <laughs> oh, we're keeping this in. Uh... <laughs> so I didn't. I didn't think this is where we were, where we were going to start this episode. Um, well, so what I was going to go with, because um, I in these first couple of pages, pretty descriptive. Um, but even in the first line in the darkness, right off the bat, there's a lot of emphasis on the dark. And obviously when we get into the ways, it's a little dark. Um, I, this might be the one exception to things that kind of piss me off. We've talked about game of Thrones before, and there's quite a few episodes of game of Thrones where if you don't have just a fantastic TV where you can really change the settings, they're so fucking hard to see because it would make things so dark. And I thought it was unnecessary in a lot of that. Uh, but I feel like this is one of those scenes where it really needs to be that way. And in fact, it needs to be so much that way that it it pisses the viewer off. But that should be the point. It, we, like That's a way to make the watcher, it won't be the reader at that point, but the watcher feel as uncomfortable and anxious as everybody in this scene is. So obviously, the dark along the ways... Uh, they, they talk about how dark it is when they're trying to get ready and move along and move to the stables, could barely see. And that's just the beginning. It only gets worse as they move into the ways. So hopefully um, there's some emphasis yeah. there. And that's a great segue to something else I want to talk about this episode with you guys. Uh, this is the, the spoilers, just not giving away anything, but talking about the TV show, Chris will be excited about this. Um, one of the newest, new, one of the newest news, news, <laughs> newest news. Um, the Newport um, News. 
breaking news this week uh, for Wheel of Time TV show, and a lot of content creators talked about this, but I know you guys are are kind of removed from all that. Is yeah, someone actually figured out minimum what the budget for the two shows is going to be. Um, so just briefly, Chris will be excited about this, I know, because he's uh, you know when you think about compared to Game of Thrones, what we're going to do. So, um, um, so what they did is they the Texas Czech Republic. Uh, gives a rebate to TV shows. It happens all the time. Like, if you film here, we'll give a 20% of everything you spent in our country back to you. And that's public information. So they gave the rebate back to them. That's public. So by using 20%, we know minimum how much they spent just in the Czech Republic. Not to mention, that doesn't include actor salaries. It doesn't include... uh, We know they film in Slovenia and other places as well. So we know it's more than that. But so... To give you an idea, the first season, actually the first, I think, two or three seasons of Game of Thrones, the budget HBO gave Game of Thrones was $6 million an episode. Um, wow. Yeah, which, which is big. $6 million an episode was what Game of Thrones got. Right now, uh, Wheel of Time is estimated at minimum $10 oh million an episode. Oh, my God. That season. is stupid crazy. <laughs> <laughs> So as for epic, you talk about lighting and getting things right. Yes, the money that's to an do additional it. four so. million on top of Game of Thrones. And the first few seasons of Game of Thrones were absolutely phenomenally done. So I can right. only imagine. Wow. So the last two seasons were fifteen million an episode, um, which is why they make shorter episodes, but um, or shorter amount of episodes. But so if all the time starts at ten, you know, hey. <laughs> They're putting a lot of money into the show. It should be pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> well, but it's like I said before. Um, last I remember, Charlie Sheen on well, what's that? What's that show we did? Uh, two, two and a half men. Two and a half men. Mm-hmm. So he was getting paid a million an episode. Yeah. Right. And so I would have thought that number was over the top, but we we run into Charlie Sheen again in this chapter. So they gotta they gotta pay they gotta pay the Black Wind a million well, an episode. Know, and then like you I have said, other big name characters or big name actors and actresses. So Yeah. But that figure doesn't money. count doesn't doesn't count like I said, that figure doesn't doesn't take into effect salaries. So yeah. Oh, hey, well that's just sets and things like that and costumes and yeah. It's, uh, wow. anyway, so it's gonna it, it, if nothing else it's gonna look really really cool <laughs> it's awesome as well but the, the, it's gonna look amazing um so moving on so they get to the stable the hidden stable door which i think is pretty awesome that this has this hidden door um makes you kind of wonder what gil does mm-hmm. <laughs> he's a moonshiner uh, <laughs> uh, yeah and they say goodbye and uh loyal starts to lead them through the city um and and loyal can kind of sense a way gate, so he's they're just kind of going around um, from street to street, and they're they're hoping to get there before people start waking up because obviously traveling with Ogier uh, would raise alarm. So they want to get there, you know. Right as dawn starts to break, you know, um, people start to come down the street. Rand's getting more and more worried, and and loyal stops and says, "It's right here under the shop," and. <laughs> they, they kind of just look and say under the shop you're like what like it's right here it doesn't make any sense at all um and they go around the alleyway they find the locked door you know moraine uses her power to open the door um and they get everybody inside and bring the horse down so um before we get to this i mean what any thoughts about that travel i mean that was really sure i am 
Okay. Get so there is mention yeah. of Shiram Shaddai, which I don't know that we've talked about this individual yet, but it makes me really wonder no. um, how involved the Blue Aja faction is and what Moraine is doing. If she's going to throw that name out there and say, you know, if you have any fears or trouble, right to, and this is the first time she's told anybody directly who mm -hmm. to communicate with, um, which makes mm -hmm. me wonder why she's so invested, particularly in, you know, Master Gill. And I don't know if it's because of his relationship with Tom. And maybe she feels like she owes a little bit more to him because she owes something to Tom. So there mm -hmm. was that thought as I was reading through it. Um, because, you know, everybody else, she just kind of paid off. Like, here's some gold. Do with it as you please. But for him, it's like, you're super special because for what reason? It, it makes no sense to me. So <laughs> I, I, I do have that. Go ahead. So I, I, I never got the feeling that uh, her and Lan had a whole lot of love for Tom. Like I, I'm still, well, one, I'm still holding out to him being alive, which <laughs> spoiler in these chapters, we find out Moraine's <laughs> holding out too. But um, so I don't, I, I still think that not only is alive, but he's kind of part of a different faction that probably has different intentions with these boys. So I don't think it's a love for Tom and his connections there. Uh, and so I circled that also, like this was her spilling way more beans than she ever has to anybody else. But I think it has more to do with the direction they're taking. I don't think she saw this as part of the plan at all, uh, that they were going to go straight to the blight. And if, if anything, maybe she was hoping master Gill would, uh, communicate with this Shiriam Sadai because at the very least it would send some sort of communication about what was happening where they were going and why. Um, even though Master Gill wasn't directly told 100% of the plan, if he was any way decent of an innkeeper, he was eavesdropping everything they were talking about uh, and uh, everything uh. they were doing. So uh, I, I kind of circled that, but I thought, again, because I think Moraine's always kind of working an angle, uh, maybe, maybe she would hope uh, she was hoping – he'd take her up on that and send that communication and let them know that shit's about yeah, to get Yeah, I mean, real. I agree with that statement, too. Yeah. So we definitely, for me, this just kind of threw up some flags. Like, here's some more information that we haven't seen before. Here's a new name. And, you know, she didn't have much... I think there was a love-hate relationship between her and Tom. First, like, that's just the thought there. So, like, in the beginning, my original thought was kind of a nod to Tom because this is his friend and, you know... Tom stuck his neck out for the boys. He's not dead. We know that. Like, but he did go out of his way for the boys. And that's furthering her cause. So there was a little bit there. He's part, he's of, part the of the he's part of the pattern. Yes. Part of the pattern. Um yep. and then I think it's very interesting the way they decided to talk about Loyal and um how he paused with his head cocked as a feeling of breeze on his cheek. And then he said, this way, it's very similar to the same way that Moraine tracked the boys. So I'm wondering that if, or as they, they being the uh, Edmund Fielders, begin to learn to manipulate the, the, their powers, and since we don't know where they're all drawing their powers, I'm just going to leave it at that at this point. 
um, if they'll be able to have that same sense to be able to kind of track or feel pathways. Hmm. Yeah. Hey, so I, I also, before we move on, I got a picture of Loyal uh, that didn't really stick before reading about him, but like, and I don't even know if this is true, but this is how I started picturing it in my head. When when he finally took the lead uh, and it said, uh, when the run let out into the street, Loyal chose his direction without pause. He seemed to know exactly where he was going, da, 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 da. So, of course, like every reader, I'm picturing this in my head. And there's this gigantic O'Gear that everybody else has been, you know, you're creeping along this this dark alley trying to get out where no one could see you. And then he's leading the pack, and he's just like, all right, this way, left, then right. Now we're going to take two rights and left. We'll go straight a little bit, blah, 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 blah. And he just moves on without pause. So it made me think again about how big and massive this dude is. And putting into perspective what he perceives as a threat versus other people. And we've read before about how like people would think he's a trollic and scream and shout and this, that, and the other. But that's just an annoyance. I don't think any amount of a crowd that might have surrounded them was a threat to him. You know, I just picture him being like, oh, even if it's a bunch of white cloaks, yeah, whatever, I'm not worried about that. Even if it's a bunch of whatever color ribbon people want to show up and give him a hard time, like, it's an annoyance. Um, but I think that's important because while these things don't scare him, we do read about some things that do make him pause and freak out a little bit. Um, so it, we've mentioned this before how like Jordan kind of ups the ante of the scary shit that's out there. And first we thought a Trolloc was scary, but now even a handful of Trollocs is like, ah, no big deal. Lane will take care of it. A fade's a little scary. Well, we could take out a fade. No big deal. Uh, the white cloaks, the whatever, all these different threats out there. And then you have this old gear that for the most part, all those things seem less scary. Um, but it's like it's a setup so that when he does seem afraid, it makes you as the reader go, holy shit, this is this is real, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they do get to this 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 cellar underneath, you know, rain pops the lock. They go down below. Loyal explains there used to be trees and groves everywhere here. And that's where they grew the way gate. Uh, but the, the groves are long gone, cut down. And Loyal's upset about that, of course, because he loves just trees. And um, one wall is not like the others. It's full of stone vines, but one part's a little more elaborate than the rest. Um, so you get the kind of description of what the way gate looks like, where it's, you know, all these different, you know, stone vines and leaves, like kind of like a carving. Um, and, and there's one leaf that's different than the rest, and it's an Avendisor leaf, Avendisor. We've talked about the Avendisor tree uh, a few times. Yeah. So it's a trifle leaf, and that's actually the the symbol for the the chapter as well. Right. And Moraine goes up and plucks it, and it starts to open. I really like again, I, I, being the description guy. Worked in hardstone, those leaves seem soft, caught in one frozen moment, as a gentle summer breeze stirred them. For all of that, they had the feel of age, as much greater than the rest of the stone as the rest was older than the brick. That older and more, Loyal looked at them as if he would rather be anywhere else but there, even out in the streets with another mob. So, you know, there's a lot of 
depth to the, I guess, the artwork of those leaves. It's almost like they may have been real and maybe even transformed into the stone. But it just kind of goes to show the, the work that the Ogier really put into, uh, or I should say the, the Aes Sedai put into their creations with their magic. And then, like Ian was saying earlier, it shows that this mammoth of a being, you know, is super scared of something that nobody else is really aware of. And it's really the, the fear of the unknown almost, which, you know, I am one of those two that had that fear of like the unknown. Uh, you guys talk about being out on boats and stuff all the time. I'd love to go out on a boat, but I have a fear of the ocean. Like I have a fear of the vastness of the water. So I, I completely identify with Loyal in this moment because that just freaks me out like no other. Yeah, just just to set you at ease there, um, I think we might have talked about this before. Alan's mentioned it, but I too have a little bit of this, I won't say fear, but uneasiness. The first five to six feet underneath the boat, I'm totally comfortable with. The 600 feet beneath <laughs> that scares the fucking shit out of me. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm right there. And as someone who's shaking, actually swam in the middle of the ocean. So, um, and it, it, I was terrified the entire time because I, the depth finder at that point doesn't even work. So you have no idea how deep it is, except for charts. And you're just relying on how deep it is. But I've, I've been where it's thousands Oof. of feet deep. No, thank you. It's so weird. Yeah. <laughs> I swam in water that's thousands of feet deep. Uh, most of the ocean is. Once you get past the continental shelf, uh, you know, the average depth of the ocean is, is thousands of feet deep. Um, Actually, tens of thousands Yikes. at some places. Like I can't remember what what, what Challenger Deep is, but it's um <laughs> somewhere <laughs> I'm not going. That's what that's what counts. Yeah, um, that's that's the deepest part of the ocean, Challenger Deep, and just because I, I I'm that nerdy, that is thirty five thousand oh. feet below thirty five thousand. Uh, but that's a trench. <laughs> Oof. So we get the, the way gate opening, and Loyal says, I have heard, and this is half mourning, half fearful, that once the way gates shone like mirrors, once who entered the ways walked through the sun and the sky once. So, like, it just goes to show that at some point in time, there was some purity to the work that was done, and it was a good thing. And it just kind of shows how the corruption mm -hmm. of man, quite literally, can ruin a good thing. Um, corruption of man, asterisk. I mean, we're we're assuming still that it was corrupted by the male Aes Sedai and and the taint, and that might be right. Uh, but not not too far down, um, when they start going through. And Moraine says, hurry, I must be the last three. We cannot leave this open for anyone to find by chance. Hurry. And then with a heavy sigh, Loyal strode into the shimmer. Well, where else have we oh, yeah, heard about face. this shimmer? We also heard about it with Lan. Well, even going back to the yeah, prologue. Sure. 
and and homie bad guy shimmered and and showed up there um so i mean is that the same way he traveled through time and space shimmered in created his own gate whatever or maybe that being was a male eye said i or maybe it was the the dark one or someone serving the dark one or someone serving some power other than the one true power i, I don't know but whoever that being was uh taking advantage of these ways and maybe it was them accessing it and taking control of it that turned it dark hmm. so I, I underline and circle that shimmer and again, this is another point where I feel the need to go back and reread the prologue and some of our earlier descriptions of the Dark One, Biazaman, everybody, I how they interact feel and like whatnot. It has but it's to be two different a lot of possibilities still. Just because sure. the way gate is just that, it's a, a particular gate set in a particular spot created by the male Aes Sedai. Now, I'm not saying that it's not the same power, and I'm not saying it's not the same concept, but it almost seemed like he was able to kind of travel at will from any point to any other point. Maybe I misread that. Well, maybe those male eyes that I could, mm-hmm. uh, but but what they were able to pass on to the Ogiers uh, yeah. was a little more limited. So anyways, I mean, so what what you just stated isn't outside the realm of what I was thinking. Like I said, I, I underline this and of course I'm relating it to all these other instances and well, people that might right. have traveled this same way. <laughs> uh, more more, yeah. more questions and answers, but yeah. Sure. And then all we get is Alan. Yeah. So yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, that's all I'm gonna give you. Um, you, we we will we will, mm-hmm. we will learn more about Waygates and more about the shimmering and all that stuff. We we will trust me. There's 14 <laughs> or actually 15, including the prologue of these prequel of these books. So <laughs> we'll get there. Um, so, um, so you know, land land walks into the mirror, you know, himself merging in, and Moraine says, "Everyone go in." So they all go in, and and you get kind of the description of the inside as soon as we go in. So there's, um, there's blackness everywhere. And when you look back, you can see the cellar, just like, you know, whereas before it was a mirror, when you would look back out, it's kind of like a one-way mirror, like, you know, like a police air t- interrogation rooms or whatever, like one side's a mirror, the other side you can see through back to the cellar is fine. And everyone is super nervous and the darkness is almost pressing on a light. Like, and it's pretty cool, like concept, I think it just, you know, like where it's, it's like the light can't, it's fighting the darkness. Well, I even like the way he described him entering. It's something icy slid along his skin as if he were passing through a wall of cold water. Time stretched out. The cold enveloped one hair at a time, shivered over his clothes, thread by thread. It's like every ounce of his being could feel himself entering into the way gate i'm wondering was it always like this or is this just like the newer feeling now that it's not so happy cheery of a place um and then the the concept of time stretching out was was kind of a brilliant way of saying that you know concept of time and space changes when entering the way gate so 
thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. In mm-hmm. Lo- Loyal uh, mentioned, he said, the wheel turns faster in the ways. So when they look back behind, there's kind of like a slow-mo of the rest of the people coming through until they until they break the, the plane there. Which I, I guess that, that brought a question right. to my mind. Like, I know they're traveling a long distance in a very short amount of time. I guess it's hard for me to grasp. Yeah. Like, it, so the outside time is moving a lot slower than the inside time. Would they then speed up, like... And this is me thinking too far into things, but like, why didn't they maybe like age or did they age quicker? Does it take life? Like, this is probably way too far and probably never actually enters into the book. Yeah. But. Do, do we, <laughs> we can't. So as one string vibrates, I what never happens is. No, I'm kidding. So I'm more than ready um, to listen. So. <laughs> Well, remember, remember uh, you know, that was Robert Jordan's major when he went to the Citadel was physics. So he, he was very much into this stuff. And, and you don't have to go super deep. Um, Stephen Hawking has written uh, a couple of uh, coffee table books that are, yep. I mean, your, your average sixth grader can understand. He takes these ridiculously com- complex concepts and boils them down uh, to their simplest Form of explanation, yeah. so you you could read into it without needing a degree. It's possible. Universe in a nutshell, <laughs> in a nutshell by um, oh yeah, that's by, by Stephen Hawking is a great example of that. But yeah, yep, and you could read it with your kids. It's great. Yep. So my my mind didn't run that way on this line. The wheel turns faster in the ways. I immediately started thinking about when our Ogier told us about people that got lost in the ways, um, and obviously with with how dark it was and and the urgency of the mission that our folks were on here um they were already hard pressed to stay on the most direct path and get to where they're going um but i started thinking about the folks like like what would happen if they took a less direct route or if they got turned around, or if you get the slightest bit lost, and maybe you think on the inside, you know, you're spending an extra 10 days kind of exploring around, and then you get on the outside, and a year has passed. Or maybe you spend a year inside the ways, and you get out, and a lifetime has passed. Um, And since we know there's people that have been lost in the ways, how long have they actually been in there? And do we run into them? I don't. I would assume so. There's a lot of opportunity here for uh, Jordan to uh, f with us again. Yeah. Yeah. So, anything else you guys want to add before we continue going on about the guiding stones? Let's roll. All right. So, there's a white line going from the gate. Then they follow that, and they just keep following this white line until they get to a stone. And it's covered in Ogier script. And that's why it's great Loyal is here because he's the only one here that can actually read it. And that guides you which bridge or ramp to take. So they're called islands. So the way it's set up, you have islands with stone. With like a, you know, what it reminds you of is kind of like a Stonehenge stone. Like a, I have no idea because this is in my mind's eye. It doesn't describe it more than what it does in this chapter. Uh, but that's what I've always thought of. Like a Rosetta Stone, like a just slab with a bunch of script on it. Um, and that kind of tells you which bridge or our ramp to take. So they get to the, to the first one, there's a series of bridges and ramps. None of them have any, any rails on them. Um, 
and and they have to go from island to island through all these things. And um, and, and the stones, everything's kind of falling apart in the ways as well. The stones are kind of falling apart. Everything was kind of crumpled. Um, obviously, things aren't going well there. Uh, and and it, and the hint to it has to do with the corruption as well. Yeah, this this was definitely a nod to Lord of the Rings again. Uh, what, what were the mines that they traveled through? Uh, mines of Midor. I can't pronounce it now. Somebody help. Um, Man, I should have wrote this down. Midor- yeah, hopefully somebody will message M. you in a second. It's the M. Come on, Lord of the Rings people in uh, Discord. The mines of... I started to Moria, say Mordor, Moria, but Moria, that ain't it. Moria. Moria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mines of Moria. <laughs> So this is very much this is very much uh, reminding me of that and and a nod to that. So I you know I kind of waited for uh, Tom the White to show up and yeah. <laughs> battle some evil that's existed in there for hundreds of thousands of years. Sure. <laughs> yeah, it does kind of remind you of that of that you know that uh, I guess from the movie at least you know when they go in they have the staircase going up and golems falling down below and a platform down below and they look back yeah. Yeah, it's a tip of the hat. Mm-hmm. Definitely. There you go. So yeah, and there's no sense of time. Or they don't. They can't figure out. You know, there's no sunlight, so they don't know what time it is at all. Uh, but at some point, when it seems about right, Land announces it's midday. It's time to stop and have some food. And you know, Matt goes to to dismount, and Moraine says, "No, you have to stay in your saddle. We eat as we ride. Um, we're not stopping." Um, and Kind of coming to the end, you know, Rand begins to have this internal thought where, uh, you know, the ways aren't so bad. You know, it's not, it's not so bad here. And then they get to a bridge that's, that's, that's <laughs> falling apart. And the chapter ends with that, with the bridge being out. So, yeah. I, I thought that little, so I, I uh, highlighted that section. I thought that was a ni- nice little microcosm of Jordan's writing style thus far. Like a little bit of a setup where you take a sigh and go, oh, yeah. And then, bam, you get hit with a right, a couple of body blows. And then when you protect the ribs, he hits you with the uppercut, the old uh, Mike Tyson routine. <laughs> but he does, it, he does it real quick this time instead of spreading it out over multiple chapters. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about Rand, he even began to think the ways were not so bad, not nearly as bad as Loyal made out. They might have the heavy feel of the hour before a storm, but nothing changed. Nothing happened. The waves were almost boring. Very next paragraph. Then the silence was broken by a startled grunt from Loyal, which, again, from my perspective, Loyal being upset and Loyal being afraid has much more emphasis on it to me, at least right now as the reader, because I think that's significant. And Rand stood in his stirrups to peer past the O'Gear and swallowed hard at what he saw. They were in the middle of a bridge, and only a few feet ahead of Loyal, the bridge ended in a jagged gap. I feel like we all knew that this trip wasn't going to be super easy, but that was a quick one too. Ah, this ain't so bad, except the ways are broken. Right. So, um, You're going out again? But no, I, Ian did a really good job of, of wrapping that up. Um, I, I definitely agree with you. Like, it is really weird to have our our Ogier friend the the biggest of the bunch, but he's also the softest of the bunch. So as weird as it is, being able to identify with him, it's not that odd to me. <laughs> it would worry me more if Lan or Moraine had acted out a little bit differently. 
Um, but so you you say soft, but the things that bother him, even even the fact that there's more brick in, uh, well, nowadays you know we have country songs about too much concrete, but more brick and mortar over areas that used to be green with trees and whatnot. Like those are the things that those of us in our day-to-day life, even now, like I'm talking real life, we, we maybe don't notice as much, but those are the more tragic things. Those, you know, man taking over nature and forming it to his needs is never a good thing, you know, in the, in the big picture. And those are the type of things that really upset him. And, and ultimately I think point out a greater, I agree with evil that. that's that's happening in this world so i don't i don't think i don't think he's I soft i think I he's deep that. yeah so, so this, this week joker, chris so. is pulling out the floaties <laughs> ian's putting me in the deep end and i'm All like right. holy shit <laughs> roll reverse yeah. a little roll reverse there yeah so um awesome so um before we uh we're gonna take a break guys everyone that's in chat right now we usually just between um a chapter so we're gonna fill our beverages use restrooms things like that um fred is available now and in in his channel so um feel free to uh record some music uh you guys can listen to music while Yep, there you go. They're already doing it. Um, so, yeah, give some music, and we'll be back. I'll kick Fred out when we come back. All right. All right, moving on to Chapter 45, What Follows in Shadow. And our icon is the Dragon's Fang. So let's talk about the chapter title. More than the symbol. I mean, the symbols, we've seen the symbol a bunch of times. But What Follows in Shadow is very ominous. Yeah. So I... I mentioned before in the last chapter my thoughts about the the people that went in and never came out. I mean, they're mm-hmm. still in there, right? Maybe. Um, and so we're already freaked out about the darkness as a whole before and how it just – it's not just dark, but even whatever light you bring is just struggling to illuminate anything, right? It's super dark. But then what follows, like something following them – Oh uh, yeah, that's we get to that towards the end of the chapter. But when I, you know, when I first read this, like, um, I was thinking, all right, there's more peril, there's more danger than just the lack of light, just the darkness. Mm-hmm. And what is that? Is it a physical being? Is it what? I mean, we we heard about Charlie Sheen, uh, and we all know <laughs> how screwed up he is, and Martin you know, hide hide your kids. But uh, yeah, so sure. What about you, Chris? Again, it's really it, it gets really hard for me after reading the chapter to really look at it. But what follows in the mm-hmm. shadow, we we are introduced to a new concept, a new being. I'm not quite sure what to think about it, they, whatever. At this point, um, I'm right <laughs> there with Ian. Like, could it be the souls of people that were trapped? That you know. We don't know how the concept of time really works in the ways. So maybe like they were trapped so long that their physical body is gone, but their souls are still there and they can't escape because they're bound by the magic. Um, My mind goes through all sorts of rabbit holes. So 
<laughs> but, you know, I kind of agree with Ian. We, we just really don't know, but I think it has something to do with that. Or, you know, it could be, you know, a personification of the taint. If mm. we're going with that theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, sure. Who knows? I yeah. will never not giggle when you mention the taint. I'm sorry. I'm, I try, but <laughs> I'm still very childish in many ways. Uh, sure. So, uh, start of the chapter. They're looking at this bridge now that's gone. A stone actually falls, and Rand never hears it at the bottom. So it just falls and falls, and either it's who knows how far down it is if it ever like a bottomless pit, or if it actually has a bottom. We don't know, but you don't hear it, so it's. It's way down there. <laughs> um, and, and Rand finally sees, he was wondering last chapter, you know, what's holding these bridges and islands up, and he sees nothing. There's nothing holding anything up. It's just empty space, um, which kind of is unsettling for Rand as well, because um, he just, so now, now you have more of a mental picture of the ways. And I've always, and I know we've mentioned this uh, and I think a previous episode and something where it kind of seemed like an MC Escher uh, painting, you know, with like different platforms and stairs and things like that. Right. Uh, that was in one of the dreams that Rand had um, where uh, Bay Osamon was down below on a different platform. Um, so, but yeah, so you had kind of this concept. I like how. Uh, I think. Go ahead. Uh, I think it's good for Rand and all the Edmonds fielders that um, they have the O'Gear, obviously, uh, but they also have Moraine and Land. My dog's flipping out. Okay. I could start that over when you're ready. She misses us. No, I think think actually uh, my wife came downstairs and she started flipping out about it. So, all right. So, let's start over. Let's go. So, I, I think it's uh, fantastic that Rand and all the other Edmonds fielders have uh, Loyal and Moraine and Land there to, to kind of help nudge them on. Because I, I always pause in some of these new moments and new threats and new things that we find out, and I think to myself how I would react. And if, for whatever reason, uh, they didn't have these other people around to trust, to follow – there's no, there's no effing way you could, you could go through something like this. I mean, it would just be absolutely terrifying. At this point, if I were Ran or Matt or Egwene or Nynaeve or any of these people that really, truly know nothing about any of this stuff, I would literally get my horse behind one of those three, Loyal, Moraine, or Land, and I would just tell myself, wherever they go, I'm going to go. I'm not going to look over the side. I'm not going to question what they say. Like, how can you? Because if you start to look around and try and figure this out yourself, it's just fucking terrifying. Hey, Ian. Yeah. You act like they had choices. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you act like it was their decision. <laughs> I like it. I like it. There you go. So, yeah. Um, Moraine says there, there are other ways of getting there. Uh, Nynaeve is super upset about this. Um, I was going to say, like, Nynaeve took no time to slap the Aes Sedai in the face. It's like, is it to this she brought us, Aes Sedai? 
all this way to find out we have to go back to Camelin after all. So, like, she took no time to, like, throw the blame. Like, she's been waiting on this moment to kind of reestablish herself as, like, head chicken charge and to put down the credibility of Moraine. And Moraine's like Miss Cool Common Collective. Huh, we don't have to go back. Not all the way to Camelin. There are many paths along the ways to any place. Which I love the way to sh- she put to any place. Not to every place, but to any place. That's really weird wording. But, you know, hmm. I just, that stuck out to me. Like these little lexicons and stuff, the way they do it. It's just, why use that word? Any place. I, I don't know. Anyway, continue. <laughs> yeah. And, and Loyal's super concerned about not being able to make it out of the ways. Like he's trying to suggest, you know, maybe, you know, we're only a few bridges away from, you know, Tarvalin. Maybe we should just go there instead. And you know, he keeps on trying to change the direction throughout this entire chapter. But I think this is the first time where he's like, yeah, well, you know, we could just go somewhere else. Uh, and Moraine's having none of it. He's like, nope, we're, we're going to, to Fadara um, to, to, towards the Blight. Quick uh, question. Do you think they can travel in time using the ways? I, man, so I had the same question. Part of me hopes so. <laughs> Like, because then we have our TAM time travel theory that we can put into play here. Buzzing. <laughs> uh, but sure. I, I like, yeah, that's the answer. Uh, I do like um, Rand's thought here. He said, Perrin looks like a wolf at bay. That's what he looks mm-hmm. like. Perrin has these moments of like really good perception. Like, Every now and then we think he's the biggest ditz in the world, and then it's like, huh, he had a brilliant thought. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. And like I said, Moraine reassures Loyal and, and says, nope, we're not going to a closer way gate. We're, we're going to go the whole way. And, um, and Rand tries to convince Loyal that everything's okay. Um, yeah, when this is all over, yeah. you show me your steady and I'll take you to Edmunds Field. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Loyal, who's seemingly much more wise than almost anybody here is like, what makes you think this shit's ever going to be over? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is like really, this is really bad, man. I like things are bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At this point, they're getting anxious to get out of the ways and um, they finally get to what I guess is the night. They stop for the night. Um, like I said, you can't really tell time, but it's, it's time to stop. Um, and we knew it was a multiple day trip. We knew that beforehand. That was going to take a few days, at least two. So this is our to get to an island, um, uh, and 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 loyalists have talked about how things used to grow in the ways, like trees and sunlight and things like that. And now none of that's here anymore. Um, they ask, right? And everybody get everybody gathers close together because they're nervous. Blah 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 blah. Most important part of this entire fucking Boom! book. Moraine studied them as she ate. Finally, she put her plate aside and patted her lips with a napkin. I can tell you one cheerful thing. I do not think Tom Marilyn is dead. <laughs> Ciao. I All right, so I'm going to tap out now. That's the only thing I hi- that's the only thing I highlighted this chapter. I highlighted it and circled it. I put a little ha ha face and um, 
<laughs> I'll let you, Chris, you, and Alan can do the rest of this chapter. I'm done. Well, I, I do up. like right before that. The ice and I rubbed her fingers against the palm against her palms distastefully. You feel the taint, the corruption of the power that made the ways. I will not use the one power in the ways unless I must. The taint is so strong that whatever I try to do would surely be corrupted. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to point that out because of what happens at the end of this chapter. So I just want that to yeah. be in everybody's mind. There's so much fear about using the power in the ways. So I'm wondering mm-hmm. what type of corruptions can and will occur and whether or not something that happens in the moment here can impact something later on down the road in the ways. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah. For sure. And then, of course, yeah. like I was right there with you. I like circled, highlighted, like put a note, like he's not gone. <laughs> yeah. And, and they even think about men, men's viewings about Tom. Yeah. She said, like, like, Ivan Bridge is not so big for a gleeman to be a small thing. And if Tom is a part of the pattern that weaves itself around you three, too important a part, I believe, to be cut off yet. And then ran, you know, thought about this. And he said, how could Moraine know? And he said, then he said, men. She saw something about Tom. And then Moraine said, she saw a great deal about all of you. I wish I could understand half of what she saw. But even she does not. Old barriers fail. But whether that men does, or excuse me, whether what men does is old or new, she sees true. Your fates are bound together. Tom Maryland's too. So that was very interesting. The, the the wording of old barriers fail. What are these barriers that we're referencing? Hmm. Well, I I had mentioned way back that men was another eyes to die, but um obviously I based that off of nothing. I just threw mud at the wall. Uh but from this, it doesn't seem like Moraine knows where men's powers come from. Yeah. And that she has these abilities that even she doesn't understand, but what she does know is that what men sees generally comes true. Well, if she uh, said... And what the source of men's powers are, yeah, who well, knows she said what at this point. does is old or new, or whether what men does is old or new... She didn't say sees. She says does. That confused me too. Yeah, because you know I was just like a little like you know I don't I don't get that wording. She's not necessarily doing anything. She's just seeing these visions. But maybe it's a prediction. Maybe they're saying it's a prediction of past, present, future. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the concept. Maybe. Men doesn't completely ascertain or understand whether or not what she's seeing is what is, was, or will be. So that's kind of what I took from that statement. But whatever she is seeing, whether it is, was, or will be, is true. And we can see that with Lan and his titles. And then the images that were floating around him were things of his past, not necessarily of the future. But we know that Tom mm. has not had any interaction with the admin fielders before the initial meeting that we all have with him. So what she sees around him 
have to have been of what is to come. So I think there's so many layers to what her power is. She has to come back up at some point in time and we're going to eventually understand a little bit more about what she can see. Again, I don't know, but that's where my mind went. <laughs> sure. And but, we- but then it, then immediately we get into the whole Egwene raising an eyebrow <laughs> about men. <laughs> and then Ran feeling put in a corner by her. And then Perrin stands <laughs> up. Perrin goes bros before hoes and throws Egwene under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> and Rand, for the first time, is like, oh, snap. Um, burn me if I didn't come out best for a change. I wish I knew as much about women as Perrin. <laughs> and he's on cloud nine. And then Matt tries to throw Rand under the bus, <laughs> bringing up this other chick like, these guys are just effing with each other. <laughs> yeah, so you got this like fun little banter scene where it's like they're back home again. You know, I I I feel like this would be a normal thing, like a route, like between friends, like they're just giving each other crap. Yeah, um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, I, I I get I get them sticking up for each other, but at the same time, I think it turns into just kind of like, well, what about that? What about this? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it was just all yeah. fun yeah. games. It was the, the gang back together again, and they were enjoying mm-hmm. life. <laughs> yeah, and then they all go to sleep uh, to try to get some sleep. And once they they wake up, they're back to traveling again. Um, and at this point, that's when Lan announces something's following them. Uh, and immediately Matt, being Matt, <laughs> like doesn't even think, just takes an arrow and shoots into the darkness. And everybody's like, stop. <laughs> He's already knocking a second arrow. And Land's like, stop it. Like, we don't know if it's good. We don't know what it is. We know something's followed us. We don't know, you know, who or what or what it is. But don't shoot. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm back to uh, relating to Matt. Now that he's not psycho crazy with this dagger, um, if I was in that scenario and somebody said there's something behind us and I can only see five feet behind us because our lanterns don't travel very far in this ridiculous darkness, I would have unloaded fully automatic weapons in that direction and thrown <laughs> grenades and just said, fuck it. Cause yeah, that's some scary shit. Yeah. I feel him on that. Yeah. I, I don't know why everybody judged him on that one. Yeah, surprised nobody else like chucked a rock or something. Yeah, did, did you have any thoughts about about this this mysterious figure or what it is? Or oh yeah, it's see it's the beggar, uh, <laughs> aka um, who's who is the, oh shit, my mind always goes blank on this guy. Pat. The first peddler, uh, Pat and Fane. Pat and Fane. Yeah. Pat and Fane. <laughs> I think it'd be hilarious if he's like he's on their trail through 14 fucking books and shows up and then it's Pat and Fane playing Rand in a game of stones to decide. It's the sad that that's right where my mind went to. I was like, it's Pat and Fane. He's in there with him. He followed them. Uh, and then like it, the reality settled in. It's like there's got to be something unknown in the ways to make it so freaking scary. There was a moment where I thought yeah. maybe there were fades, 
And then there was a moment where I thought, what were the creatures above the fades, the ones that fly? Yeah, we haven't run into another one of those in forever. And the way it was kind of described, I was like, maybe it's one of those. Like, who knows? But we soon find mm-hmm. out. Part of me was hoping part of me was hoping that they would run into one of these male Aes Sedai that's like still stuck in the ways and losing his fucking mind, but has enough of his mind to like give some very significant information or something that might help them along their way. Um, but no, to answer your question, I don't truly think it's Pat and Fane. Don't put that in the predictions. Uh, but it crossed my mind more as a joke. Okay. Um, yeah, and I, if it turns out to be Pat and Fane, though, I did guess <laughs> that. But if it's not, it was a joke. <laughs> I don't know if that's how that works. <laughs> but I want, I want points in case I'm randomly right. Said maybe. It could be anybody. You're going out, anybody... Oh, Sorry, talking into a game. Better, How about now? Better. Good. Yep. That's good. I'm good now. Yep. Yeah. So I said, so it's anybody. And uh, as long as anybody get points, yep. right? So that's <laughs> exactly. Okay, it's a, it's a thing. Yeah. Gotcha. It's a thing. So, yeah. So um, uh, Lance says you can fall back and figure out who it is. And Loyal says, no, um, that, you know, you'll, you'll get lost forever. There's, you can't read O'Gear. Like, it, it turned pitch black. You won't be able to see us if you try to head back. You know, it was almost a thought, so, though. He's like, can you read O'Gear? Like, Ken was, yeah. like, <laughs> italicized, like, wait, did I find an interesting human? <laughs> yeah. I like that, because, like, for a moment, you can see his mind ticking. He kind of literally, for a word, gave up all fear because he, his curiosity took over. I think that's going to be yeah. his greatest weapon and biggest downfall. Like if he dies mm-hmm. in book 12, it's because he was curious about something he should have left alone. <laughs> yeah. And, and Loyal's still trying to convince him to leave. Uh, he's like, I think it's two bridges away from Tarval and we just go there. And this, yeah, it's like the theme. Why they should have just gone. But how well, far, like, I, I guess my concept yeah. of space like, what would be the difference between um, Tarvalon and, and uh, the Blight? Well, there is a map um, in the beginning of the book. I don't have it in front of yeah, me right now. Yeah, I need to now. look at that again. Um, it, 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 it's, it's far. I mean, you're talking about a month. A month yeah. So, yeah. It's, yeah. Too, probably too far. So, um, then we get to the next, the next stone or the next... Uh, um, Island and land immediately goes to soldier <laughs> man. Something's wrong. Um, he's they see something. Rand doesn't see what it is right away. Then they realize what it is. It's it's that on the stones, Trollocs. There's Trolloc markings, Trolloc language on the stone, on the stones. So this is where we get the confirmation that the Trollocs have been using the ways. Yep, it's a, which was one of our predictions. So predictions, she, yep. we were right on there. It's this Trollocs. Yeah. She ignored their frightened gas. Or fades, those are Trolloc ruins. The Trollocs had discovered how to enter the ways. That must be how they got to the two rivers undiscovered through the gateways at Mnethrin. There is at least one way gate in the Blight, which then brings the question though we do have Trolloc markings, they had to have had an Ogier helping them to decipher so that the Trolloc and or Fade or whomever 
could then inscribe Trolloc ruins onto the stones. So there's that, but also remember uh, when you have a force, like let's say, I don't know how Trollocs come about, how they multiply, reproduce, whatever, but let's say they have the ability to reproduce at such a ridiculous level or be created at such a ridiculous level. Uh, evil forces have no problem sacrificing their pawns and the Trollocs are their pawns to figure out a way forward. Mm -hmm. So if they're able to get into the ways, the evil forces here would have no problem sending thousands and thousands and thousands of Trollocs in every direction until they find one that works. And they wouldn't care how many they sacrificed yeah, to figure that out. And who knows how long they've been trying to do this until they figured it out. So I'm not saying what you're saying is impossible. That's something that crossed my mind. But you also have to consider that this is something they've been attempting for such a long time and just sacrificing whoever they need to sacrifice to figure out how to make it work. So they could they could have figured it out on their own, possibly. Yeah. But they could also be using... Um, was it Biazaman talked about the Black Eye Sedai? So Black Aja, yes. Black Aja, right? That uh, maybe could help them manipulate the gates in some way or at least open them. And then once they're in there, you're right. Maybe they could have uh, somehow convinced an Ogier to help or force them to help or something like that. But I, I got the feeling like regular old evil, they just threw bodies at it until they figured that shit out. That makes good sense too. Yeah. And, and you see, and Land finds the dead Trollocs that have been melted into the stone, and, and Moraine says, you know, there must be traps down here for Shadow Spawn. Um, and and from this point on, Moraine starts really being cautious about every bridge and everything like that, moving forward to make sure there's no more traps they might run into. Um, and and they continue on just going bridge and ramps and islands, just continue moving their way on. Um, and, and Rand's strained to listen just in case he can hear, you know, Trollocs, he's listening for, tro you know, they're on edge. He's listening for Trollocs. And Rand thinks he could hear something. It's, it's like, it sounds like wind, like way in the distance. And he, this, he doesn't think much of it at first. He's like, huh, there's, there's wind, huh? And then, <laughs> I can just imagine this. He starts thinking, I was like, wait, there's not supposed to be wind down here. Hey, Loyal, didn't you say there's no wind in, in the ways? And, you know, immediately chaos. Moshinshin, <laughs> or Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen, as, as, as he likes to call watching <laughs> many lines of cocaine. Hey, uh, well, let's back up only a teeny quarter step. Anybody else find it interesting that Rand was the first one to notice and speak up about the sound of the wind? Like Lan, obviously, you mentioned it. He's in full soldier mode, mm -hmm. being super protective. Like I'm sure he's protective of the group, but more so Moraine. Like she's there, so he is on edge, listening, sensing everything. But Rand is the one that asked the question. Rand is the one that points out. Because Rand is the one. Right. <laughs> he is Neo. Rand is Neo. <laughs> the Neo. But I guess it kind of oh, yeah. shows the closeness so, yeah. maybe to the one power or, you know, the power in general. And then, you know, we don't really know where's the, where's the best way of putting it. How connected each individual is to the to the source, and how much they've already been influenced by the taint. Yeah, 
and if they if they've been influenced <laughs> at all, like so many questions, no answers. Sure, and we're not gonna get anything from Alan. <laughs> nope. Sure. So so Mach and Sheen are. Charlie Sheen or Martin, or, or, or Martin Sheen, whatever you want to call it, is coming. Uh, Moraine starts panicking. Loyal's freaking out. Everyone's, and they're all just running. And Moraine's like, quick, just get us out of here as fast as possible. How far do we have to go? He's like, I think it's only a few more bridges. But you can hear the wind getting louder and louder and louder. And finally, they find they the last one, the last one they go to, they don't even bother reading. They just start following the white line towards the way gate. Uh, they get to the gate, and the key is gone. Um, and this is like that moment of despair. Like we've been through this a couple of times in a couple of the chapters, like where you think all was lost. Um, but this one's, I don't know. It, it, it seems pretty, pretty bad. <laughs> well, before we go that far, I just want to bring up this quote since we're here. It is easier to be brave. He discovered when someone needs your protection. That's my favorite quote of the chapter. Yes. I've kind of gotten a way of pointing out my favorite quotes. So I just wanted to do that. Um, and then it kind of makes, yes. Chris. I'm sorry. You stole my thunder. <laughs> that was my, that was my favorite. Not of the, not only of the chapters, that's yeah. my favorite in a while. Yeah. Uh, and it's very true. Very true. I, I think in my, if I have to consider my air quotes, bravest moments, it's it's been more when I knew I needed to show that confidence for the sake of those around me, where inside my head I was like, holy shit, all is lost. But but when you have to be brave for someone else, when someone else needs you, uh, definitely. Yeah, and it's really good when step a warder up. steps up for his eyes to die. <laughs> Ooh, hey. You're not getting that stink in there. It ain't going to happen. <laughs> nice uh, try. But, you know, for the yeah. leaf to be gone, you know, I, I guess it was really hard for me to, like, think about this because when I originally thought about the leaf the first go around, it was like an image on the wall. And maybe I didn't read close enough. Yeah, she plucks it off. Yeah. I mean, it's like a key. But it's just, like, it's just I guess in my mind, it was like an image that she then like used magic to kind of pull, and then it appeared as if she plucked in the mood. But I guess maybe it was a stone carving. Like, did it say that? Did I miss something? Either way, it fit perfectly into the pattern. It doesn't really say like there's not like a slot for it. It just kind of fits where it. Like it, it would go. take somebody sense. of magical what? powers to remove this, then. Um, I I don't know if it does or not. I think it just warns mm. you to know what you're looking for and know where to put it, and doesn't necessarily. It's not obvious. Yeah, when she when she first when she opened the first one, in in my mind's eye, if you will, like I pictured it, whereas it it blended in with everything else, and it looked. As if it was part of the carving, maybe it was made of stone, and maybe maybe it was. But then, upon recognizing it and reaching out and touching it, she was able to remove it. Maybe it became more lifelike, and then put it into its place so, to open the gate. So the magic yeah. was in the gate itself, not necessarily her. So, 
I didn't think Moraine was special in being able to do it, but the only, maybe so. The only, the only reason why I bring that up is because Ogiers used Waygates before it went mad. So obviously, right? Like they could trap. Well, uh, and and than- fucking Trollocs can. Right. So right. Well, here, they're, well, they're okay, dumb as dirt. So, Ogiers clearly have a connection to the source of the power. That's why Loyal could find the Waygate, and Ogiers. Mm-hmm. Can essentially their, their their language is like is lyrical and they can speak essentially trees into existence. There's this old magic feeling about an ogier, so they're probably inherently using magic because it's natural to them. Mm. Thus, the long lifespan. Thus, the connection with nature. It, it's not that they can't use magic; it's that they by nature used magic. And then the Trollocs, the Trollocs like you said before, they're the foot soldiers. They're being guided by the Fades. We know the Fades can use magic. So that's why my mind, and then they use the word carving. They didn't use, they said, you know, carving implies etched. It wasn't a sculpture. It wasn't sculpted. It was carved. So that therefore that implies an image that was moved or removed and then put back into place. So that just kind of draws my mind. Maybe it was a fade that removed the key and maybe I'm focusing on a detail that's not necessary, but you know, I'm just trying to piece together what creatures have this innate power. What are these powers? What is this magic? And you know, who who in the future will be able to use it? Like, could, you know, Perrin have walked up now that he's kind of in touch with his, you know, animalistic powers, could he have walked up and manipulated the way gate? So it, it really was just yeah. that my, my hmm. thoughts or my comments are more along the lines of how many other people are we going to see that are able to manipulate this, this power? Um, and then going forward, this is where that quote that I spoke on earlier, um, we we know that Moraine was really hesitant to use the power. Was the wind drawn more, driven more by her use of the power? Um, and what corruption would be caused in the way gate by her using that and destroying the door? And then, mm-hmm. you know, we have this new enters a new character who will be able to kind of patch things up right yeah well chris chris when did she first use her power in the ways for the light oh wait no when she when she she went to help the boys sleep that draw them so maybe that was the beacon that drew him in Hmm. possibly oh yeah I forgot that she did that. Right. Yeah, she did go around the same all. way she did in the very beginning. Yep. Yep. Hmm. yep. Yep. Maybe that was just enough to to give their location away. Okay. I didn't even think about that. I, I actually, I this, I've never thought about that. But that, yeah, that could be it. <laughs> maybe. Um, maybe. Maybe. Sure. Um, so <laughs> sure, sure, sure. So everyone, everyone's getting ready to die at this point. Rand can hear voices in the wind, and 
Morangin sends out fire at the gate. I mean, and it doesn't even come out normally. It comes out like this liquidy, goopy, nasty stuff. And it starts to melt the gate really, really slowly. It's taking forever. And finally, Land takes his horse, Mandarb, and goes full on. I, I was going to use linebacker, you know, like a football analogy, but I know we have a lot of international list- listeners, and I know we have a lot of Canadian listeners. So it's just like a full on body check from Ovechkin. And I know our, our, um, yeah, love me by saying Ovechkin. I love him. He's the greatest hockey player to ever play. I mean, who else could possibly be anywhere half as good Here's as one him? out? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Better? Yeah, better. I said, yeah, we're from Virginia. We're Lord of the Caps. So. Go Caps. I know you can. Uh, yeah, so, so they said we know what football is, the Canadians in chat. Yeah, I know you guys know what football is, but but uh, Russians maybe not. So we do Russian listeners. Anyway. <laughs> so um, land bust through with Mandar. Uh, through the way gate, and they all run out of the gate. Um, you know, um, and Moraine turns around then and starts firing, you know, shoots the fire at the wind. Um, and it, at this point, when Rain gets out, you can hear the wind talking, which is one of the most freaky, I guess, parts of this chapter. Flesh to fine, flesh so fine, so fine to tear, to gash the skin, skin to strip, to plait. So nice to plant the strips, so nice, so red, the drops that fall, blood so red, so red, so sweet, sweet screams, pretty screams, singing screams, scream your song, sing your screams. I love how, like, we always end up with some type of a song. We had our travelers looking for a song, we got our own gear with their sing-songy lyrical voice, and now we have this evil whatever it is talking about a song <laughs> are, are we setting ourselves up for um an episode with ed shireen <laughs> singing at a campfire is is this gonna happen like so book two it turns into a musical i just uh... yeah right <laughs> <laughs> Um, this is the setup. This is the prelude going into a musical, and yeah. So um, I'm down with that. There's a song for everything, so I feel it. Yeah. So as as everyone's outside now, Mar- they see Moraine backing slowly out of the gate. Um, you know, merge out to herself, kind of thing. You know, through a mirror, and then the mirror darkens from a mirror to just black. I wonder um, if Rand was the only one that could hear that. Yeah, it doesn't say what anybody else does, but definitely Rand can hear it. Um, and then Maureen tries to explain what Machin Shen is, but can't really, doesn't really know. Um, you know, she does a really poor job, but she tries. Something left from the time of madness, perhaps, Maureen replies, or even from the war of the shadow, the war of power, something hidden in the ways so long that it can no longer get out. No one, not even among the Ogier, know how far the ways run or how deep. It could even be something of the ways themselves. As Loyal said, the ways are living things, and all living things have parasites. 
perhaps even a creature of the corruption itself, something born of the decay, something that hates life and light. So we have a new word for the taint, the corruption. Um, mm -hmm. Which I know we've yeah. kind of voiced it that way before, but to just give it that exact title, it's just something else. And then, of course, it, that completely upsets Egwene. You know, but at the end of the day, it's all it was is a bunch of questions made as statements. <laughs> just like this whole sure. damn book. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Marine also says this, there's still worse to be faced, which I thought was <laughs> You ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> down, down. But, 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 baby, you just ain't seen nothing yet. Down, get introduced down. to a new character yeah. right before the uh, chapter ends. Well, we don't get introduced to him yet. They just mentioned him that 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 Algamar should send someone uh, from the and they point to the city, the city in the distance. You see the towers. And that's the end of the chapter. And then we get a really pretty map. So we made. It. Yeah, we do. But that was uh um, that's the end of this. We'll talk about the map next episode. I think that's right before the next chapter. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's the end of this episode and the end of these chapters. So any thoughts? My only thought okay. is, is we are 85% through the book and all we're doing is being introduced to more and more questions. If I were the... <laughs> so here's my... So hear me out. This is what my <laughs> thought would be. If, if I was a first-time reader reading this book for the first time when it first came out. First came out, got it. I would, I would. And the next book's not I even available. Die. I would be one of the most frustrated, most agitated people in the world. Like, you don't know how hard it was for me to pick <laughs> this book up, seeing as the fact that Martin still has not released his next book. I can't, yeah. like, normally, mentally, I cannot yeah. process going on to another book when I have a book that I really want to read readily available to me, so. Well, well, the, 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 the nice thing about that is that by the time we're done with this, six and a half years later, um, <laughs> you'll still be waiting on the next book, so. <laughs> yeah. You'll be able to pick it I'll right back up. Heart first. <laughs> Yeah, you're gonna have to wait until I write the uh, time traveling Tam story that <laughs> that follows on after all of this. Yeah, yeah, book fifteen or sixteen. Sure, we'll see. So, just before we go into my spiel, um, next chapter. So we did this last episode. We'll start doing this now. Just the, the the chapter titles and thoughts on that. So we have next week. We'll do two. We're doing two chapters again, just because they go well together. It's Faldara and more tales of the wheel. So I think the first is pretty self-explanatory. So, we're finally making it to the right. area that nobody else thought they were going to. Here we had an entire book driven <laughs> on going to one place. And then literally in five sentences in one chapter. All right, new plan. I will have to say that yeah. frustrated <laughs> me as somebody who's yeah. very OCD and very like driven by the objective. The fact that she's like, all right, new plan. 
Like, see, <laughs> you and I would be divorced. Yeah, I like, we didn't even have a conversation about this new plan, no discussion, <laughs> then I had no input. It was, all right, new plan, we're done. Okay, well. As, as, as they're saying in, in chat right now, the wheel weaves is the wheel wheels. And you man. know who normally runs? <laughs> Let me stop before I get myself in trouble. <laughs> Semper Gundy, always flexible. Yeah. You got to roll with it. Yeah. Well, what are your thoughts, Ian, on this 46, the title of 46? More the tales. To uh, yeah. I want to read Faldar. it. I, I, I want to read it. Yes. And then that's, more that's tales of the I wheel. I think we're going to yeah. get a little bit greater understanding <laughs> of the, the source of the powers. I mean, I mean, I kind of feel like what this, this person or this city is that full of Aes Sedai. I mean, it has to be, right? Maybe male and female Aes Sedai. Yeah. Hmm. Or, I mean, considering that we got the Ravens there, uh, I mean, maybe it's already that area. I mean, we are in the Blight, right? So... Maybe it's already been taken over by the shadow. Maybe the the grip of the dark one is already pretty secure in this area. Um, maybe maybe they're too late um, in going to find this eye of the world to try and protect it or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, we, we find out more about how all of this is coming together. We find out more about the Wheel of Time and all that shit, but I don't know. It's pretty ominous when you see those two ravens. That's usually uh, that's usually the bad guy checking yeah. us out, keeping tabs on us. Yeah. Or maybe we're falling into his know. plan. I, I, kind of... I don't know. Maybe maybe fucking up that waygate entrance from the blank was part like of his plan. Gonna, the the crew is going to start some type of formal training or you know testing of their their powers to kind of determine their next path or who knows at this point you just you just never know yeah you're going yeah. out again so i think that that does it for this a little bit better how about now that much better how about now okay so let me go ahead and do my sign off. Um, so to a brief pause. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. Um, so how we can be found. Um, we can be found at The Wheel Reads on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, Reads at gmail.com um, is our email address. Go find us there. Uh, Discord, uh, we do uh, right now live recordings, as I mentioned, every week during this COVID thing. Um, we have a bunch of people listen to us now. It's a lot of fun. Uh, we, have, we have a great community on our Discord, actually. It's a fantastic community. Um, if you guys are, are bored and want and want to hang out with some people that love Wheel of Time, um, or even if you're not bored, you just want to hang out with people that love Wheel of Time, it's, it's an awesome place. Um, and there's also Patreon. Um, yeah, you can join our Patreon, as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode. Once again, we're doing a giveaway. You have a few days left. By the time this episode comes out, that's going to be over. So... Um, uh, the only people that get to hear this are people that listen to us live or uh, are people that are already are patrons. So, uh, so um, but anyways, it, I put it on Twitter. There's lots of places you could have found it. 
but uh, that's a, I guess some of our people can share that with people as well. If uh, if you know anybody that is a listener of us, so yeah, um, uh, think about that as well. Help us get better equipment and maybe a better mic for me. <laughs> so apparently, this one's going bad. <laughs> um, it's it's gone through a lot. It's been through a lot. So it's uh it's get, it's done me well. Uh, it's about time for a new one anyway. Um, as far as everything else, well, no matter what platform you listen to us on, always feel free to uh, to like, uh, share, subscribe, review us, share us with your friends. Um, anybody that's new to the Bullet Time, our veteran reader of Bullet Time, um, or think people think about get into it. You know, we're a great companion co- podcast. Share that with people. Um, and uh, I'm just excited to see what what brings us then as we get to the end of this chapter, end of this book, and uh, all the fun things that come with it. So. Um, also one other thing real fast, and I might edit this out, but this is, um, I'll, I'll, I'll get more details this week, but we're going to be doing a choice. Uh, well, we're going to do parts. So all the wheel time podcasts, there's a ton of us are getting together and doing a charity fundraiser. We're doing a podcast on, I think we're doing it live. I'm not sure exactly how it's going to work out, but I know a bunch of the podcasts are all said they're going to do it together. So we're working out details right now. More of that's to come. That's going to be really exciting. Um, it, it'll, it'll be sometime in July. I don't know all the details yet, but, uh, but yeah, uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a 24 hours straight up podcast of all real podcasts. But, I mean, I know we're on board. We'll take Black Tower, the Will Weaves, uh, White Tower, um, Stuck on a Racket are all on board with it. There's uh, I, I, all Tucker and Rioch on it too. So it's going to be. Uh, um, 24 hours straight of podcasting. Yeah, Twatcast. Thank you. Yeah, the uh, the wheel the wheel time Twatcast. Uh, it's the ones who started it. So, yeah, I should mention them. They're the ones who actually came up with the idea. Um, so yeah, um, it's gonna it's gonna be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Um, we'll see more details if we actually ends up coming together. But I'm excited about that. Um, but anyways, that's it. I'll have for this week. Anything from you guys? Until next time, peace. Until next time. All right, guys, uh, we'll go to.